We gather in the name of God, a God who knows no fear, God who grants calm when we are anxious, God the one who holds us close, restoring our shallow breath. We gather in the name of God. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, gracious and merciful are your ways, always. Holy God, ingenious are your ways as you gather us under your wings like a mother hen. Holy God, daring one, you have produced great art in front of our eyes. Holy God, awesome one, we are awed by your love, grace, and mercy. Amen. You may be seated. This reading is from Paul's second letter to Timothy, chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. I thank God, whom I serve, as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience. As night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you, so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I am reminded, I am remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit of God gave us not a spirit of timidity, but gives us one of power, love, and self-discipline. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. I want you all to know that um, uh, Second Timothy is a very powerful passage for a number of reasons. It, it lets you know a little bit about the transition of the author and things that he went through, uh, some of the things that it means it meant to him to write to Timothy at this point. But I start with that very first verse. And in and, and I am thankful, I am grateful, I am glad in God that I get a chance to encourage you, right, is, is basically what all of Second Timothy is all about is all about encouragement and lifting up the community. And so from that point of view, I want to say that the focus that I have is on the family and the community about us that gives us strength and support as we develop our self-discipline, our praxis of loving one another, and our sense of power to work together, to do things together in unity, to achieve and to overcome. So Eunice and Lois, I've had, regain my breath for a moment, uh, a number of such people in my life. I've talked about that in chapel before. My godmother, 
my mother, my grandparents, just an, an enormous group of people that have taken this teenager that I was that was so full of doubt and so full of lack of discipline. I wasn't that bad. <laughs> but they stood by me and encouraged me and lifted me up. I felt their prayers. I knew they were there. And just like Timothy knew and Paul knew that, that uh, uh, Lois and Eunice were there for Timothy, I know those people have been there in my life. And I have endeavored to be that person for other people. And so I'm hoping that all of us will see that the strength and courage that we're looking for comes not from within, but from the community and ultimately from God. Right? That it's, it's God's call on us. Now, one of my passions is to uh, teach public speaking. I have not taught it in a long time. But it's one of the things that I grew up doing as an, uh, an undergraduate and then as a graduate student. And of course, the biggest problem that most of my students over the years have faced is what we call communication apprehension, stage fright, right? And the, the research surprisingly shows that the one thing that makes the major difference in stage fright is do you have a message? Do you have a purpose? If you have a message and your purpose, then you can channel all of that anxiety and all of those nervous energies to accomplish something, right? And the stage fright becomes secondary. It's still there, no doubt about it, it's still there, but it becomes secondary to having a purpose, to having a message, and so, that idea is all the way through 2 Timothy. If you read 2 Timothy all the way, verse by verse, you see Paul repeatedly saying, you know, have a purpose. Remember your purpose. Make sure you know what you're about and why you're doing it, and then you will have the strength to do what you need to do. Okay? So that's really the, the, the nexus of what I wanted to say. I, now I'd like to ask you to think a little bit about your purpose, your message, your accomplishments. Think a little bit and reflect to yourself. You don't have to share it with everybody else, all right? How have you overcome doubts about yourself? Can you remember a time when you really doubted yourself and then you overcame it? What was the process? When did it become secondary to your purpose, to what you wanted to accomplish? Similarly, how have you developed your self-discipline? Or in some translations of this scripture, it's soundness of mind. <laughs> that always struck me as a little odd. All right. Soundness of mind, okay. Uh, all right. Do you remember learning how to ride a bike? Were you instantly good at it? I crashed into a telephone truck the first time I tried to ride it. 
That bike. Okay. All right. It took a while, didn't it? To coordinate and to pedal and to steer and to gain control. And it was at least six months to a year before I could even come close to my twin brother bouncing up on top of the steering, the handlebars. I don't know how he did it. It was amazing. I couldn't do it. Right. But it, that developing self-discipline is a long process, right? It's something that takes a lot of energy. How about power? There's some people in this room who have an awful lot of power. They have that power in part because of their ability to control themselves and not use that power inappropriately. Right? How about you? How have you developed in your power, in your strength, in your abilities? It takes a while, doesn't it? It takes a few failures, realizations that you've made a mistake or spoken at the wrong time in the wrong place. Finally, how have you grown in your love and appreciation of others? What have you done to change your own mind about how you feel about other people and your responses to people that you probably should never have treated the way you treated them once before? That takes time as well. That's a very long and arduous process for us to develop. Paul is basically saying to Timothy, you have to develop these things over time in your development, in your ministry. Be prepared. It's coming, and you better do it. And if you read about Timothy, you know it kind of came on him very quickly, very, in a very hard way, okay? Uh, now consider a group of people that you really admire, or a person that you really admire. Think about that for a second. Who is that person? Put them, put them in your mind. How did they get there? What was the process they went through? You could probably recall some of their accomplishments. Do you know about the steps in the process that they had to go through? to accomplish the things that they had to do, to be able to do the things that you really admire about them? Do you know about the people in their background that prayed for them, that lifted them up? Do you know about the people who supported them and encouraged them? Do you know about the people who loved them dearly and closely? You know they're there, right? Have you expressed your gratitude to those people? They might deserve it. Right? In ways that encourage those people to hold on in trying and doubtful times. How did they do that? Every one of us has faced those trying and doubtful moments, and we know that we got past them because of the love and the encouragement of our community, right? We may not have gotten a letter from Paul from prison, all right? But we've gotten some pretty close messages from people who were there to back us and support us along the way and to, and, and to admire us and encourage us forward. So, like faith, courage, 
is a communal process. It's something we build together. If this community is not known for our encouraging voices, we cannot build courage in this community. We have to reach out and encourage one another, even if it's difficult to do. <laughs> All right. So we just now want to transition to a video that I'd like to play. It's um, Van Morrison singing, uh, Have I Told You Lately That I Love You? According to some versions about this song, I've got to be careful about what I say here, <laughs> he claims he originally wrote it as a, a hymn of faith. And it was a, the, the, the lines in the song are not about a woman, but they are about God and how he feels about God. So he's saying, have I told you, God, have I told you lately that I really love you, that I really appreciate you? But it's also an expression of how I feel about this community. And so I think it's an appropriate song as a song of encouragement to all of you. I mean, through Van Morrison, but from me. So I think we're ready for that. I don't think I'll ever hear that song again in such a same light. Let us pray. God of all that lives and breathes and has been, set your power loose in us now. Lead us to the edge to meet our struggles, fears, loneliness, and pain head on. Grant us grace to wrestle with these wounds. Produce in us courage, mercy, compassion, and wisdom. Shape us into being the people of your heart's desire. Amen. What you desire, the sure-footed leading of God, be the thing on which you rely. The wind of God take fear away. Let the presence of God be always near. Amen. I invite you to share a sign of God's peace with each other.